1: Joseph goes in and balls it! Trouble before they are definitely taking on water now. They're 59 for four, still trailing by six. Hello, I'm John Norman, host of the following on podcast from Talk Sport, which follows England's path through the three tests five ODIs and three T20s here in the Caribbean. And uh, while it may be sunny in the West Indies, there's a dark cloud hanging over England after they were dominated in the second test. Anderson. New over short and pulled away by Campbell for the winning runs. He punches the air in celebration. The West Indies have beaten England. Can it get any worse? Well, join us every day to find out. It's the following on podcast, and we'll see if the West Indies can make it a clean sweep.
2: Hello and welcome to The Ruck. I'm Owen Slot, somewhat shaken, completely in love with the Six Nations all over again. Yes, I am one of the 11 Times pundits who, in chorus, all tipped Ireland to win on Saturday. Conversely, it was the day it all came together for England, every hope and every plan and every loose end. Those were the words of Stephen Jones in the Sunday Times on Sunday morning. And anyone here recognise this? There are implications to the game extending beyond the present competition. This may be one small step towards Yokohama.
3: No, we don't recognize gr- it.
2: Greeted by science. That was you in the Times oh. this morning, Barnsley. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Seems a long time ago when I was sitting up in my bed in Ireland thinking
2: about it. Words of wisdom, um, all easily forgotten. Uh, so it's me today uh, with Barnsley and our in- inimitable ray of sunshine, Steve Jones. Great to see you, boys. I think it's fair to say that not one of us has held back in our criticism of Eddie Jones over the last 18 months or so. But after that titanic victory, how much are we obliged to reassess? We're also going to be joined from our Dublin studios by Peter O'Reilly. Regulars to this show will know that in his intelligent and understated way, Peter is the man we go to to find out why Ireland always get it so right. Not quite the same subject matter today. And another regular, one with 109 international caps, joins us. That's Sarah Hunter the England captain with whom we will discuss the opening round of the Women's Six Nations. First, I've got a couple more quotes for you, gents. This one, it's a short one. Maybe Billy Vunapola makes it. That's Brian O'Driscoll a few, a few days before kickoff, discussing how many England players will get into the Island side. Uh, he came up with just the one. We'll return to that a bit later. This is really a quiz question. Here's the quote. The Dublin game had about 12 minutes of rugby worth watching. The rest of the game was about as much fun to watch as a censorious dentist unimpressed with your dental hygiene. So which nation's media uh, contributed (laughs) that, do we think?
3: Would it be a nation, for instance, that's now completely panicking and hates the idea of England being any good? And even then, it's utterly pathetic.
2: I think I think you're close to the mark there. Yeah, yeah,
1: getting warmer. I hope. It, I assume it's a New Zealand journalist and not a member of the New Zealand coaching panel. No, that, that
2: it is a, a, a Kiwi journalist, and um, yes, I suppose that's very predictable. I think your
3: point, Steve, is probably anyone would have watched that and gone. Shit. In a different way, top about 12 minutes of rugby, I thought it was a classy international and it was one of the most sustained performances by both sides. The, the intensity of it dropped briefly in about the third quarter. I just thought it was class and it looked as if it what it was. Currently, the two form teams in World Rugby.
2: All right, let's just get straight to it. Sometimes you see a good performance and it's a good performance. You say, well done. But I think the, the point about that England performance is, is we, we're sort of reassessing and, and, and trying to answer how much has the landscape actually shifted.
1: England were outstanding. Steve's right, it was a fine test match, but it was one test match. And let's, let, let's think about what Eddie Jones says. Eddie Jones gets very uptight when we're critical of England when they lose a game. So uh, he's probably right. I think there is a, a case of overreaction. It's when they lost five and they lost their shape. There seemed to be a reason. But Jones, undoubtedly, we all know deep down he's in Japan. So to look at this one game and say they're on the march again, it could still be presumptuous. I, I want to see what they do against a French team who will offer a very different, almost uh, an opposite sequence of threats to Ireland, what happens on Sunday. We had an Ireland team who are, their greatest strength is their greatest weakness. They're brilliantly coached, but they're so well coached, they have no flexibility in their game. France are not coached at all, they are purely <laughs> flexibility. So that opens up a different can of worms for England. and. Chris Ashton, after the game, was saying we'll be coached and we'll be prepared in a different way for France. Now, you can look at that game and say maybe Joe Schmidt is a little bit one-tricky. If Eddie Jones comes up with a a different England plan where they tweak and they adjust and they go and put 30 points on France and they're magnificent and they close out the French counter-attack and offloading game, then I think we start to say, hey, that is outstanding. England are serious contenders. At the moment... You know the England management—they don't like it when you slate them for a bad performance and a defeat. So let's just well, not get no too. No one likes, but
4: no
2: one likes n- being n- slated, do they? everyone's no. sensitive out there. But
1: but but they're always saying you're presumptuous. It's too early. Let's just wait and see next week. That is not decrying what England did. I thought they were outstanding, but I think judgment just has to be held back.
2: Steve, so okay, that's interesting. So they 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 had one big statement performance. Barnes is correct, it's got to be very different next time, but when you've hit that level of intensity and execution for me, that, that breeds confidence, doesn't it? I know mean, that's a cliche, but surely that's, what's, that's what is fair to expect next week now. Yeah, totally.
3: But I think it's even more than that. First of all, I'm not interested in the World Cup till uh, we all land in Tokyo. Hopefully land safely in Tokyo. Not interested in it. This was a great Six Nations performance in a massive Six Nations occasion. I said it. It mysteriously all came together because there was no no one knew they were going to play as well as that. So why it's all come together is actually almost irrelevant as well. But what I would say is there was definitive evidence on the day that some people who have been fringe players. Are now have ascended to the international summit, and amongst them, I'd say Jamie George. I thought was excellent line out, scrummaging as far as we could see, round the field, he was quick. I thought Kyle Sinclair took mm. another step forward, Henry Slade took many steps forward. Uh, Jack Nowell looked like he was fitting into the team that way Ed, that Eddie wanted him into there. Yeah, as Stuart, as Stuart says. Uh, especially against someone like France, could go wrong this week. But they now know that they have a world-class performance in them. And I don't... There was nothing in that on Saturday which suggested that it was a total one-off.
1: No, Owen, you, you said that that sort of performance uh, has to breed confidence. I think what it breeds in England and breeds in teams is clarity because that was the word I thought that England lacked in the last... 18 months. Even even when they were on the end of that winning run, their performances were getting murky. It was hard to define what they were doing. And I thought the, the first half hour against South Africa, they had it in the first and second test, and then they lost their way again. This was the game when there was a tactical plan and there was a clarity. And... You know, it's all well and good being like Ireland having a mastermind, but if someone else ruins it, and that's the beauty of rugby, it's not like the theatre, you know, you you can't learn your part and then there's, there's no one there to wreck it. In rugby, you have all your lines and then England come along and they put a great big number eight foot in the spoke and everything's gone and Ireland don't know what to do. England looked to me like a team who have options. Uh, you know, they're built on power, but there is subtlety, there is variety, and, and the other big word is balanced. And I'll go back to this this whole story that seemed to... It went viral, didn't it, how many Englishmen would get in the Irish team? If you asked me that question, I'd say, I'm not going to answer it because it's a stupid question. It, it it's It's irrelevant. Selection is not about who's got the most good players. It's about who has the right balance manu tuolangi it's and... a
2: bit serious bonds it's just, no. just a fun
1: little bit come on lighten up man no, it's really... <laughs> you don't judge manu tuolangi without subtlety either side of him you see slade differently when he's got power inside him elliot daly and jack knoll working together the sort of the hustler and the class act you know you can't look at them one, one after one in numbers. It doesn't work like that.
3: I, I agree, um, as with what Grumpy Barnes just said Then uh, What was joyous about it for me, just as Stuart's just said, I, I've always insisted they haven't had a back three. They've had three blokes who stood out there looking like strangers. And the way they interacted daily, Johnny May, Slade, uh, the outside backs and Jack Nowell I think just think was marvellous. They, they, they were so rapid with their thought patterns and the way they moved. That I think England now have got another th- another um, cannon to fire because I think they've got a back three that are, that are no dangerous.
1: Yeah, I, massive praise to Eddie Jones. There's been a a chorus for Eddie da- for Elliot Daly to play thirteen for so long, and he was never the thirteen because it gets him too close to the action. Let him play in the black back three. I know I was one of the ones who said he shouldn't play fifteen, but Jones has a long-term plan and he's not worried about the errors. And whilst he dropped one ball Saturday and still has room for improvement there, what he gives a team when he's floating around Mm. in that back three, the vision, the speed, the hand is so much. So I think... um, I think that Eddie Jones's decision to stick with him has been an absolute masterpiece. It would have been so easy to go back to the short-term view that Brown would have been the man, and you wouldn't have argued with no, it.
2: That was my view. But, uh, you you want to hand up to that?
1: <laughs> no, no, my, mine as well. I, I think I think it was a masterstroke. Do from you not Jones. think
2: though that, that uh, a comment on how good or, or, or poor Ireland were was that Elliot? Elliot Daly got through that game without really being tested under the high ball.
1: Yeah, well, but that's how good England are. Because yeah, that,
2: yeah, that's what I'm saying. they managed to to, yeah. to, to, to close that down.
1: But well, it's it's almost like you you. It's a fullback. Fullback's always talked about the bloke has to make the last tackle. It's one of the great fallacies about fullback. Fullbacks don't make many tackles. When they do make them, they, they have to be try savers because of the nature of where they're standing. But what I'm saying is, but, is, is No, it, hang on. If all if, right, if, I'll hang if, on. if you it, get God's sake, Stop interrupting. I, I apologize. But if if you if you make your tackles ahead of them, then nobody talks about a fullback having to make those JPR like tackles. If you get the squeeze on up front and the speed of line pressure is so great, then your 9 and 10 are not able to put the quality of kicks on the money as Sexton and Murray always do. So if England's press is that good, then you actually don't have to be Mike Brown or, or JPR Williams. Uh, OK, I
2: completely agree. But the point is that he. some people say, oh, Elliot Daly answered all the questions on Saturday. I don't think the questions were, were put to him at all. So no, I agree at with that. some point further down the line, maybe, whether it's France or Wales or whoever, uh, a World Cup final... Some team is gonna is gonna get to him and he's he's as yet unproven. It, I thought he was I thought it was a very, very good game, but he didn't have to do that part of the game.
1: But do you do you not think I what it's I watched him play now and you just think there are so many answers when you watch Daily play. If there are one or two questions, I don't know what you think, Steve, but I think he's he's made a definitive case to be the fifteen. When you are, are an excellent all
3: round footballer with self confidence and intelligence in the end, you are going to yeah. make yourself what your coach wants you to. I just thought it was a magnificent, joyous match for English rugby. I just thought it was absolutely tremendous. Nothing against the Irish or anybody else, but it was the performance we've been waiting for for so long. And I'm sure English men and women fans squared their shoulders on on Saturday night. Agreed. And and how, how did how did it impact on Irish rugby? Let's
2: see if we can get Pete on the line, shall we? Peter, uh, great to have you back. Uh, so Ireland heads up to uh, Murrayfield this weekend, looking to avoid the wooden spoon, correct? <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: that's probably overstating it a little bit, Owen.
2: Pete, what, what, what did you make of Ireland on on Saturday? It was not really what anyone expected, albeit that um, England did a, played a big role in that.
4: Just after the uh, the anthems, um, a colleague turned to me and and. Said that, or noticed that the that the Irish anthem had been pretty subdued, um, almost as if there was a complacency in the stadium about what was about to happen. Uh, and now we're all being very clever in hindsight, obviously. But uh, we, all all of us agreed beforehand. I think that that Ireland were going to win, um, that it was going to be a tight game. But realistically, when you when England play well, they should always be a handful for England because. Ireland I should say, because it's a game of collisions uh, they bring more power than Ireland had to offer and when you add power to planning and execution um, that's a pretty potent cocktail. Um, rarely have England had you know such an uninterrupted preparation for, for a game against Ireland it, it's rare that Ireland and England play the first game as a mm. championship and um, they did a number on on Ireland uh, and what would be particularly painful for uh, the likes of Joe Schmidt and, and Andy Farrell is that they were out-coached as well as outpowered. Um, so it's a, it's a timely wake-up call. Um, but as far as going to Edinburgh is concerned, uh, there should be a backlash, all right. But the, the problem is that there, are, there were phys- physical ca- casualties um, on Saturday, as well as Ireland's pride. Uh, we're still waiting for, uh, for updates on a few players. Um, so Ireland mightn't have their strongest pack going to Edinburgh which is which is where they would hope to do um, Just remind us who the, who the
2: players in doubt Pete Devon Toner knows and yeah He's
4: a, he's in he's in doubt with he has an ankle problem um, CJ Stander it seems played most of the game with a, a fractured cheekbone and eye socket uh, and he's obviously a very important player for Ireland um, and then there doubts uh, about Keith Earls with a hip pointer and Gary Ringrose. I'm not sure what his problem is. Um, we're just waiting to waiting to find out. Uh, so as things stand, there seem to be issues at 14, 13, five, and eight. Mm, That's some big players there.
1: What about the pattern of the Irish game? I mean, uh, is there a concern that when you're winning, it, it's it's wonderful, and the uh, Joe Schmidt plan is is as detailed as the sport has ever seen. But England come along with the power that you mentioned. They put a bloody big spoke in the wheel. And suddenly you say, where's plan B? And I I had wonder, is there a plan B?
4: Well, I think Schmidt, being a clever guy, is aware that he needs to develop uh, Ireland's kind of attacking arsenal, if you like, given that they are now more... uh, more analyzed than they would have been before. That's the, the price you pay for being number two in the world. Um, so I think that's part of the reason why he had a look at Robbie Henshaw at back, for example, that he, mm-hmm. he wants a 15 who perhaps can add more hitting the line, add more running from deep. Uh, obviously that backfired a bit in terms of uh, the solidity that was missing that you normally expect with Rob Carney there. Um, but you know, Sch- Schmidt I'm sure understands that Ireland have to have some variety to their game. But one thing which has remained constant throughout his time is that uh, they rely on, on winning the collisions, on, 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 on being good in contact and being technically excellent at the breakdown. Um, but if you look at... I mean, the figures, the stats from from uh, from Saturday were telling, if you look at Tyg Furlong, you know, eight carries for five metres, James Ryan, 16 carries for 17 metres, uh, Stander, 11 for six... Bundy, wow. a key nine for 14. And, and uh, most memorably, I think, if you think of the, the tackle that, that uh, L- uh, Courtney Laws put in on, on Gary Ringrose, which led to the long-range penalty for Owen Farrell, there you had a case where uh, Courtney Laws knew what was coming next. So this English team had prepared, they knew Ireland's patterns inside out, and the number of times that the, the carrier got hit on the gain line and was driven backwards, was hugely instrumental. The number of impact tackles that England made compared to Ireland was something like 48-9. to 9. Yes, Ireland going to need to produce something a little bit different, especially because I'd say the most interesting onlooker on Saturday was Rassi Erasmus, because if going to form Ireland play South Africa in the quarterfinals in Japan, they're going to go up against a team who will be bigger and more powerful powerful than them again, like England were on Saturday.
3: Surely when these things happen to you, a slightly cataclysmic defeat aren't you tempted to make more changes in terms of the way you play and in personnel than you should? I mean, I, I would, if everybody's fit, I'd play exactly the same team. Play, and except and that I would always put Carney there because in the modern day of box kicking, I would always have Carney there. You you can't suddenly start trying to get them to attack differently in the middle of the Six Nations when it succeeded so brilliantly for them when they have been on the front foot before, surely.
4: Conor Murray and Johnny Saxon looked undercooked. uh Henshaw, in his defence, had played very little rugby. Uh, quite apart from the fact that he played very little rugby at fifteen, um, so f- for once it, it was England going into this game who looked physically sharper. They also, you've got to you've got to take into account the old-fashioned psychology, the the psychic energy, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. England came to Dublin angry. They had a point to prove, um, and they had prepared for this game uh, with. You know, like if you think about the start, for example, the, you imagine that um, every single pass and every single clean-out leading up to the Johnny May try had been rehearsed. Going into Saturday, they'd lost one of their previous 19 games. Um, so, no, I don't. I don't see any uh, panicky uh, mm. reaction to it, Steve.
2: Pete, th- th- thanks very much for joining us. Just, just finally, so. What- Obviously, the, the Murrayfield game's huge now in terms of the, the personality of the team and how, you, how it responds. How, what sort of a response do you expect? Because Scotland will be looking forward to that now.
4: They will. And they won the corresponding game two years ago when... Uh when Joe Schmidt made quite a bit of the fact that Ireland had turned up to the, the game late because the <laughs> bus had been taking a different route, <laughs> the
2: bus that got caught at traffic lights—that was a real disaster, wasn't it? Yeah. Well,
4: there's there's fascinating psychology at play coming into this game because, as you as you guys know, um, Ireland's first opponents in Japan are Scotland, uh, and uh, we Ireland have shown yet again that they are not great tournament starters uh, and their most important pool game comes first against the Scots, so that's in the background uh, they'll be worried also that all of Scotland's tries against Italy were scored in, by the outside backs where they look very dangerous and where Ireland were caught out a couple of times um, so it's, uh, it's, a fascinating, it's a fascinating game, I expect Ireland even, even without Toner and CJ Stander will, will try and just squeeze the life out of the, the Scottish pack I suppose from there it's uh, they still they will still give themselves a chance of winning this tournament but uh, obviously it's out of their hands now it's it's reliant on other results going their way.
2: Peter thanks very much great to talk to you again. Cheers guys. All right so just finally on that England game uh, can can we try and give it some context uh, some people have been saying uh, best England performance under Eddie Jones I don't I don't disagree with that uh, others best since 2003 does it belong in that in in that uh, company? Yes. yes, definitely. Yeah,
3: it does. Definitely. Um, it it def- definitively. I mean, uh, they've certainly not pl- as played as well in this country, or rather rather in in the northern hemisphere since they smashed Ireland in the two thousand three Grand Slam game, uh, and and I just thought it was absolutely superb, a monumental one off, one of the top three England performances I've ever I've ever seen, and I've been watching them for the last 97 so, so years. W- the other two being. Uh, the other well, there'd be there be um the 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 that Irish Grand Slam game and in prob- in 03 in 03 yeah. probably one of the ones about 92 when they won two grand slams on the trot and um, were just unstoppable so uh, they were they they, they, they they that was they're right up there they're right up there
1: yeah I, i'd go definitely Eddie Jones it's it's the Antipodean coach who finally got the anglicized performance he wants here's a bloke who's coached in a country where they don't scrum He had his finest moment, you could argue, uh, with a small Japan team when they outfoxed South Africa. Suddenly he got what he really wanted, a big team, and he likes to bully, he likes to batter people. It all came true. It was an outstanding performance right up there. With Steve, I'd say, I'd add the... Uh, Australia away game in 2003 in the build up to the World Cup when they got yeah, everything yeah, right because yeah. this was a game wasn't pretty in every single way but tactically and technically and clarity wise it was magnificent
2: hmm. I, I just throw one in there which wasn't the same quality but the sort of the surprise element to it uh, that, that England stood up so much uh, and the physicality of their game was that quarter final in Marseille against Australia
1: in 07 uh, uh, oh. That was a sort of underdog's day, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but but this wasn't underdog's day. Totally different
2: things, but Mm. but in terms of a a big show with spirit and personality. Yeah. Quite right. Quite right. Right. So, so, um,. Ireland underperformed. They go to they go to Murrayfield. Scotland did a job on Italy, but I think we expect anyone to do a job on Italy now. I thought Finn Russell looked brilliant, but a, a, a ten should look really good if they're given that much uh, opportunity against Italy. Well, how 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 are you seeing that this weekend?
1: Um, last year, England went to Murrayfield and wanted to do a job on Scotland, and Scotland destroyed them at the breakdown if Ireland do as Peter says and go there to do a job on Scotland and they're just picking and driving the meters, Scotland are ready for that sort of performance, which is why I think it's fascinating. I think Ireland have, they don't change their game radically, but they have to find a little bit of an offload here and there in the way that England didn't last year. Otherwise, Scotland definitely have it within them to win this match. And then Ireland are in a very different place. It becomes like England after that winning run. You start losing and your confidence goes, your head goes, and you're thinking, what do we do to get back on this horse? It's a massive game for Ireland.
3: Uh, uh, it's a massive game for Ireland. And Scotland, yeah. I think it's even bigger for scotland because over the years scotland have 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 said yeah we're definitely getting (coughs) better and they complain about not having any lions they complain when anyone says sorry scotland is not good enough they're only going to be fourth they have got to win this game it is a home game they've got to go to twickenham afterwards where they probably won't win and if they if they lose this game on saturday they're going to be lower mid table at the very very best and and uh, so it is a monumental game for both for both teams yeah. and a great day again for the for the Six Nations and um, Scotland have little bits of the team that come to the surface and play well for Glasgow and Edinburgh. They've still not won anything at, 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 at basically at any level. This is mm. the day, lads. This is the day. I think they've got the coach to do it. Um, they've got contenders around in in various positions, but this is massive, massive.
2: Mm. Interesting, that that weekend you've got two big World Cup groups of forerunners. you got Mm. England, England, France, France. and uh, Scotland, Ireland. And so we haven't mentioned Wales. Um, I mean... What an opening <laughs> night to the uh, Six Nations that was. Extraordinary, uh, phenomenally entertaining, full of really average rugby and, uh, and the, the the biggest comeback in the history of the Six Nations. N-
1: n- not a great game of rugby, you're right, but the mental strength of Wales was astounding. And I use that word because I know, yes, they've got a reasonably good record in Paris, but over the years, Wales have so often failed to t- t- failed when they've come away from Cardiff, even at 16 nil, you know, they went in at half-time. And I thought they're not out of this if they get the first score. I, at- said, to,
2: I said to the guy sitting so next to me at dinner, we were watching and eating, I said, I, said I, I still think Wales will win this.
3: And, of course, I had the balls to put no money on it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the thing is with Wales, the way the game went and the, it was the first game, etc., you can almost forget the performance. All they had to do was win, which yeah. they did and uh, the, the, the double effect was that the, the match showed why they should have started with Dan Bigger why they always should start with Dan Bigger I don't care about assessing what Gareth Anscombe does how competent he is Dan Bigger is the test match animal Some, he is dishevelled sometimes he has bad days he's not been great for Saints but Wales are a different team when he's out there and I think if they can get Jake Ball back um, maybe, I'm not sure if they can do it for this this week, but uh, I just think that they're on their way. i still got doubts over their front row. They scrummish very well, but they don't get involved as much as a Sinclair or a, or a Tide Furlong. Um, and uh, But I, I just thought Jonathan Davis was brilliant in defence, and I thought Dan Bigger was just a, a, a talisman when he came on.
1: I, I would say if Wales had an outstanding option to Bigger, I would look at him because... Wales are trying to develop their back play. It's a part of their game that's been weak. Um, But Gareth Anscombe is a good player. He is not an outstanding player. And when you look at their options now, through the Six Nations, through to the Far East, then I think you say, Dan, you are the man and you've got to give him every opportunity to just get playing flat. He can do it, but he needs to be pushed there sometimes. He's going to be a very important man in this Welsh team.
2: OK, all right, just some uh, quick round of predictions. So we've got um, uh, the Six Nations. Uh, the coming weekend starts with uh, Ireland in Scotland, uh, then Wales in Italy, and on the Sunday, uh, England against France. So I'll tell you my predictions. Uh, not very brave, um, but tell me if anyone disagrees. I'll go uh, start off with an Ireland win. I think they will win in Scotland. and, and then What
3: about an approximate margin from everybody as well? Oh, Come right. on, let's put ourselves on the line. Are we men or mice?
1: Let's give a handicap out.
2: (laughs) Ireland by four. Wales by 24. England, France by... uh, England by 14.
1: Uh, Wales by... 27. England by... 21. Scotland by... 6. Ooh,
3: nice. I'll go Wales, but by less than you two, because I just think Italy have got to throw up the kitchen sink at it. I think Wales by about sixteen. That's all. I think that. Um, I think, God, Ireland. I think Ireland by two. Uh, that could be could be so close. I think England w- will beat France, but less. I think England. Uh, I think France will find something. I think it'll be England by twelve.
2: Okay, excellent. And now we're going to finish uh, today's show by uh, our reflection on the Women's Six Nations competition. We'll be jo- joined in a minute by. Uh, Uh, Sarah Hunter, uh, the England captain. You're listening to The Ruck and we'll be back in a minute Sign up for The Ruck email to receive the best comment and analysis from rugby's leading writers, that's us guys Uh, every Thursday during the Six Nations. Visit thetimes.co.uk slash newsletters. Welcome back to The Ruck The Sarah's team started well in Ireland uh, very convincing win 51-7 uh, the other re- results, uh, well the, the real telling one was uh, France absolutely smashing Wales by a similar score 52-3 and um, <coughs> that's the big match up of the weekend, um, probably the, the big match up of the entire championship really isn't it England against France um, and then uh, the Italians uh, beat Scotland um, uh, which was a, a very significant win as well Jones are you, you
3: saw most of this I, I did. I saw, I saw an absolutely dominant England performance, full of forward power. Sarah Byrne, worth a look, if anyone's watching on television. Uh, awful result for Scotland against Italy, but Italy clearly coming on with some great, great backs, which is which satisfying. And um, Wales, sorry, uh, I don't buy the travel excuse. Wales keep on picking kids, and they're wrong. They keep on boasting about how young their team is. Their team was absolutely roasted up front by a massive French team.
2: So we're joined now by uh, Sarah Hunter, England's uh, winning captain from the weekend. Uh, Sarah, uh, great to hear from you. How was the weekend for you?
0: It was a great weekend, obviously. Um, You're never sure how the first game of the the Six Nations is going. Form from the autumns or warm-up games is, is a bit unknown, so... So yeah, it was it was good to get off to quite a good start against Ireland. It's it's always difficult to to go away to to Dublin, especially on Friday night in the opening game. But you know we were reasonably pleased with um, the performance that that we had out there.
2: Absolutely, and, and I understand you, you you've got three talking points from from the Women's Six Nations uh, Championship to, to 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 talk to us about.
0: One of the first ones being um, a bit closer to home was obviously the returning players from uh, the Seven. So Emily Scarrett. Uh, Natasha Hunt, Jess Breach, and and also a real key figure for us, in, in Sarah Byrne returning for for the Six Nations. All of them were, were not involved in the autumn, so it it was good to to see them back in in the 15 ship.
2: And and that's made an, an immediate impact, clearly.
0: Yeah, I think it did. You know, I think it'll take time for sort of the, the three girls coming back from sevens to transition back to back to 15s but it looked like Jess Breach left off where she had when uh, she went off to 7s in that autumn where she was um, pretty prolific try scorer she, and she got 2 um, on Friday evening and, and Emily Scarrett you know just that sort of uh, senior figurehead in in that back line where there's probably a, a bit of inexperience with with Tatiana Hurd and you know Jess is still very young and Kelly Smith and um she sort of just orchestrates um out in out in the outside backs and it was really pleasing to see um, Natasha Hunt come on and, and real add the pace and um, that live wire style play of nine that she does bring, um, come back to to fifteen's game, and and you know Sarah Byrne was um, on the rampage, uh, running through uh, defenders uh, for fun on on Saturday night, and she's been out with a a lengthy um, injury, so you know it was really good to to see and welcome her back, and to see that she's um, left off uh, how she she finished really.
2: Excellent, excellent. Okay, point point number two.
0: Yeah, so obviously the the Wales France game with that the, the, the uh, weather conditions that um, were pr- hit the UK pretty badly. um So Wales they couldn't travel um, with their original travel uh, plans because of the snow, and they had to they had to move from flying from Cardiff mm. to, to travel to to Heathrow on the day of the game. And obviously that is such an impact on preparation, you know. And I think. Yes, France are a very, very good side at the minute and and they put in a very emphatic performance but there's no doubt that obviously the preparations that Wales had to face would have impacted how they um, could perform to to probably the level they they wanted to. So I think that's quite significant for for Wales. So unfortunately you can't do anything with with Mother Nature and they managed it the best they can to to obviously still get out there in in time and and manage to, to... um, like play the game, so you would have expected uh,
2: a closer, a closer um, contest. Otherwise, that you're suggesting.
0: Um, I, th- I think possibly it would have been interesting to see um, where Wales would have like sort of given um, France some more problems. Uh, I think knowing knowing the Welsh and the style that they play and, and how they're trying to play it, I think possibly could have could have asked a few more questions of of the French team than they than they possibly did. Um and was that due to due to the unfortunate travel arrangements? I think personally I wouldn't have wanted to, to travel all the way to France on the day mm. of the game and then have to, to play um such a strong side like like France. Um and it not impact um, impact performance. You know, like even even though they're flying, you're still on your feet for a long time. You you haven't had that chance to to rest sort of fully and and get all your match preparation in that you would probably otherwise sure, do.
2: Sure, okay, and and finally,
0: yeah. So to the last game of the the Six Nations that between um, Italy and, and Scotland, I think going into it, people weren't sure um, what the result was going to be, but I think significantly. Um, Italy went down to down to thirteen thirteen players and and still um, went on to have a bonus point win, which for them was is, is absolutely fantastic. You know, it was seven all at half time, and Italy were down to to thirteen and started the second half with thirteen players, and they they had not only held out um, Scotland, but they also got a, a try of their own, and I think that's quite a a significant statement for Italy to make on about what they want to to do in this championship. You know, I think they're the third uh, ranked European team in in the world and, and that certainly showed um, on Friday evening as well. And I think any team might be a little bit disappointed if they, um, when they're up against 13 players, not to, to make a a different impact and to really get a foothold in the game at that point and maybe try and change change the game and make it difficult for italy but their defense um held strong and you know they they went on to to get that 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 bonus point try which sets them up nicely for the rest of the six nations
3: in, in terms of england it seems to me also that you're building a, a pretty awesome pack yourself i mean you mentioned sarah burn who was Almost untackleable. Uh, I just watched it. Watched the whole replay, and Hannah Bottoman looks like a, almost born to play international rugby. And then you've got, you know, you've got Young Locks, you've got Shauna Brown, who's a physical player on the on the fringes. I mean, is it are you developing what could be called a typical English pack, like like the English men's pack used to be, because it's pretty pretty fierce bunch. Yeah,
0: I, I think we've got great great athletes and great players, like individually. um, and the, the the power that people seem to have, and not only that, but becoming those ball players. And I think what's really important for us now we've we've got we've got probably the right individuals. And how do we now harness that to make sure that, like you say, we can be this pack that that country's fear and is pretty destructive. Whether that's that line out, that's scrum, that's around the park and, and that's uh that's our real job and probably Richard Blaze's job over the next three years to to make sure that we can really harness that because I think the the strength and depth we've got now in the forwards. I mean I wouldn't wanna be the coaches trying to pick um a, a team for France or, or for future games, you know, because we've got two three people deep in in most positions especially in the forwards you know that will all add something and uh will come on and and make a difference and wherever you look we've, we've got that firepower just need to make sure. sure that it all clicks at the same time and that actually when it comes to line out it it's about that the whole pack doing the same thing at the same time
3: what about i mean sunday obviously i mean what a great day's rugby it, it's uh uh, France, England, uh, England, France in uh, men's and w- women's. Yours is at uh, Doncaster Castle Park at twelve forty-five. Um, that 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 is really possibly your biggest game since the World Cup. Would that be?
0: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. You know, um, we obviously went to uh, France last year and lost very narrowly, and, uh, and we know we have real key areas to, to work on about how we how we finish games out how we're more clinical when we get chances because when you play the top sides in the world like France they come very few and far between so when you get them you, you have to take them in. and then actually um, with sides as good as France you know they will play until the last minute like they did against um, us last year in France so mm-hmm. we know that we'll we we know there's such great encounters when we play France. You look at the semi final in in the World Cup. Uh, that was an attritional battle, and I expect Sunday to be to be no different. You know they're coming into this game in incredible form. Uh, yeah. th- they ran New Zealand very close in one game, and then they beat them for the first time um, in their history. In the next, so you know they'll be full of confidence. They are they are certainly a team that is getting better and better, um, but so we're we confident with the, with the players that we've got and the team that we've got and how the squad feels that actually if we can put in a performance we know we're capable of and we minimize our, our errors then i think um it will be a, a very close run game on on sunday which is ultimately what you want as an international player and as a spectator and where the women's game is you want games to be close and tight so. and, not know which way they're
3: going to go. Good luck with that. But is it, I just want to check one thing is it true that now you're a professional that you've bought a Porsche?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wish, <laughs> I'm not sure I'd know what to do with a
3: Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, if there's three more, we wouldn't know either. No, I'm just. i just checking, it was just a wild rumour, that's all then.
2: Sarah, thanks so much for coming on. Um, we're going to talk to you again next week, I think.
0: Yeah, no, that'd be great. Hopefully, after two uh, English, English
2: wins again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Steve and uh, Stuart, uh, thank you. We finish on our traditional uh, sign-off: a god or a goddess of the week. I know I've got it in mind. Steve, do you want to go?
3: Well, I, to be honest with you, I always try not to go for the obvious. But this week, I can't believe I'm saying this because he's not really built along godlike proportions. Yeah, but my god of the week is the forthcoming Sir Eddie Jones. <laughs>
2: I thought you were going for your 10 out of 10. I, I, Let's explain that. So Steve, in, this, in his lifetime of, of giving ratings of England players, has only ever given one 10 out of 10, yeah. which was to Simon Shaw in the Lions in test 2009, in 2009. Yeah. And on Sunday morning...
3: I gave Mako because I could not find one reason not to give him 10 out of 10. But well my god of the week... It's not Mako. It's not Mako. It's Sir Eddie Jones. He'll be so
1: thrilled. It's time for media humility. I... <laughs> Build him as the Tasmanian devil for the last 18 months. He is now an England rugby god. Just because Steve has said it is not going to distract me from saying Eddie Jones. It's his finest hour since Japan beat South Africa.
2: All right, well, I'm already outnumbered, but a player who we haven't really discussed very much, who I thought was outstanding on Saturday and... Um, England were worried about being able to cope with the aerial bombardment. Why concerned when Johnny May is the best highball man in the world? <laughs> um, jo- I think Johnny May is a- a- almost a pretty close to the complete wing. I thought he was outstanding. Totally, but, yeah, totally um, agree. But yeah, two two to one outvoted. Uh, Eddie, um, well done. You are the Rucks God. We worship at your, at your altar. The altar of the Great Eddie, um, uh, Jonesy Barnsey. Uh, great to great to uh, see you and chat. And all you out there who have listened in, thank you very much. We'll be back again next week after uh, the round two of what has so far been a brilliant Six Nations.
0: As you're listening to me. Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone.